Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to the latest episode of the United States of a Movie Podcast. My favorite part of the week where we try to do the impossible, where we try to find the one movie, only one, to represent each state in these United States. It's so hard, I couldn't even imagine it doing by myself. Fortunately, I don't need to. I've got two amazing co-hosts, Ryan Sandler. Welcome back to the show. You know, every uh, every week we do this, I somehow completely forget which uh, state we're doing until you say it, which is <laughs> so, al- alarming. Uh, spoiler alert, it's about to happen, but I can't do it before I introduce our other amazing movie nerd, producer Will. Will Hirsch, welcome back, buddy. Hey, yo, thank you for having me on the podcast. We'll be talking about movies today. Hey. <laughs> oh, that's an impeccable Jim Carrey impression. Are you doing Cobra right now? Are you doing Cobra? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crime is a disease. I'm the cure. That will only oh make sense God. if you've seen that movie. Dude, for real. You mean Beverly Hills Cop, the alternate version. Uh, <laughs> Better Beverly Hills Cop, as I call it. The the state we are taking down today means that we need to get high, mile high, because the state we are taking down is Colorado, uh, an interesting state, and we got some great movies to get into. Um, the one that I went with uh, is is... A movie I'd always wanted to see because the poster was so so chilling almost in a way. But then I saw the cast and I assumed it's just going to be a fun romp. Boy, was I wrong. It's the 1984 movie Red Dawn, basically a 1980s American conservative wet dream directed by John Milius, um, starring Patrick Swayze, Charlie C- Sheen, C. Thomas Howell, Jennifer Grey, Leah Thompson, Powers Booth. Lane Smith. I mean, that 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 cast is stacked. Um, it is it is a movie about you know if the Reds invaded, and boy oh boy, have I got a lot to say about this movie. But there's a lot to say about the other movies. You got some ba- uh, bangers, Ryan. What did you bring to the table? I went with the uh, the classic Die Hard on a Mountain cliffhanger starring Sly Stallone. Dude, because, night- uh, I'd seen this movie so many times when I was a kid to a point where I used to just mash my G.I. Joes together and reenact scenes from this movie. I loved it so much. And I hadn't seen it forever. And honestly, still holds up, guys. Dude, you are not lying. Man, this movie, I, I honestly use it as a benchmark. It's the 1993 Rennie Harlan movie. Like you said, Sylvester Stallone, John Lithgow. We got Rex Lynn, Michael Rooker. Um, mm-hmm. This was the movie that for like, um, there's a podcast I like to listen to, Blank Check. 
um, and they talk about how directors do a movie and they kind of get given a check that they can keep signing off. For me, this was Rennie Harlan's blank check for me that whenever I heard, oh, it's a Rennie Harlan movie. And just over the years, it's been diluted and diluted and diluted by absolute garbage. But then we come back to this and it is, I think, a seminal action picture. Um, but Will, you bought an, an, another, a powerhouse movie uh, to the plate. Which one did you bring? That's right. I brought the Academy Award winning The English Patient. Now, here's my case. Oh, wait. No, sorry. I brought I brought Dumb and Dumber. Sorry. That's the that's the one I brought to the table. I get them confused. Uh, I can see why they have so much in common. Uh, the 1994 movie, yeah, Dumb and Dumber, directed by Peter Farrelly. But it's a Farrelly Brothers movie. You know, it's the written, directed kind of thing. Of course, Jim Carrey, Jeff Daniels, uh, and... Uh, other people. I mean, let's go. We can Lauren Holly. She is a character, but honestly, it only really matters that Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels are in this movie as well. I thought that was an interesting choice. I was like, Dumb and Dumb, and then I go, Oh, of course, Aspen, Colorado, and then I'm like, Cliffhanger. Okay, yeah, that's set in the Rockies. No, it's not. And then, <laughs> and then there's Red Dawn. Um, so where do we want to kick off? You know, let's kick off with Cliffhanger because um, you know, much so like Ryan said, this was a joyful rewatch for me. Um, you know, just, it, it, I, I always remember it being, my father came home. I remember this was in the early nineties. My dad had just seen this movie. Uh, so I must be about 12 and my dad hates heights, absolutely hates them. And he said, I saw this movie and it scared the shit out of me. I was so uncomfortable and I'm like, oh, that sounds like a great movie. And when I saw it, it's a banger, but this movie opens. And I, you know, like I said, we joked about it got copied by Ace Ventura too. But this opening opening scene from the very first shot to the of the helicopter with the mountains in the background to the guy climbing with the helicopter in the foreground to the camera going all the way over to the other side. What a powerhouse opening ten minutes! Yeah. I mean, just incredible. What did you guys think? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, uh, this is how movies should start. I mean, it just it just opens with an absolute bang, and then uh, and then it just goes hard nonstop. And it's a pretty bog standard short. It's a relatively short film, but man, it's paced so well, and it flies. Oh, for sure. Well, what did you think? Yeah, uh, so I hadn't seen this movie since the theaters. So since it did come out, holy uh, cow! I actually, what I have, I know, I have more memories of the Super Nintendo video game than I do of the actual <laughs> yeah. movie. Um, cause I remember loving that game, but, uh, yeah. yeah, no, right from the very beginning. I mean, I was joking, like, as I was texting you guys, um, throughout this movie, cause like the opening scene, I was like, I don't, I don't think this is the most effective way to save somebody from <laughs> the top of a mountain, especially you, having you go to right this minute. Why don't you yeah. just, just winch, <laughs> winch them you up? Think, well, I'm yeah. sorry. You we, think, you know, more than Sylvester Stallone. Is that what you're saying? That's true. He is an expert. Clearly. The, ball, uh, the ball's on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah throughout the whole thing i was enjoying it i you know the other thing i texted you guys is this is uh a genre of action movie they don't really make anymore big muscly guy who has a bit like a blue collar job who gets wrapped up in a situation usually right. against terrorists and has to fight his way out of it and i yeah. wish this genre would come back uh it actually did recently um i saw this movie um and my boil down was Wow, it's like a 90s action movie. It's just a blue-collar person caught in the middle of this big situation and have to get out of it. And it's actually the Taylor Sheridan movie, um, Those Who Wish Me Dead, Angelina Jolie. Yeah. 
And oh, it's yeah. just a rip, which is just a rip off of Howie Long and Firestorm. Let's be right, honest. It's, but it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's essentially <laughs> exactly the same you, movie. You took yeah. <laughs> Firestorm and you, you wrapped it up in Cliffhanger. It's basically yeah. the same. And I'm like, and that's exactly what I said, Will, is like, you know, they just don't make the simple 90s action movie anymore. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with a Passenger 57. There's nothing wrong with a Cliffhanger. And I'm like, but look at Cliffhanger. And I think it came at the perfect time in the early 90s where there's a little bit of CGI. I mean, if you look at that movie, they're mm. using they're using studio, they're using matte paintings, they're using miniatures, they're using actual footage, and yeah. they blend it together in a way that you're just like, the only one scene that you like is jarring is the bit where he is under the ice. You know that's being shot in a yeah. studio, because suddenly you can only see about 100 yards. You know what I mean? There's no, no, yeah. no depth to it. <laughs> This, so movie like, yeah, did, this, this movie did such a good job. Uh, you're right. I was like, I was, I, I was watching this with fresh eyes again, as we always do for this podcast. And I kept waiting to be disappointed by like, oh, a lackluster yeah. stunt or something like that. Never happened nope. once the whole time. Like, this looks unbelievable. Yeah. I can't believe it held up as well as it did. It's just so much was being done in camera. Um, yeah. Like I, said, I that, actually, that, yeah. Go for well, it. I was, yeah. I was going to say, I have a hard time figuring out like, there's that opening shot where it's like a from above them and you've got Michael Rucker and his lady friend on the uh, mountaintop. And then you have Stallone like climbing up the mountain and you see like way below them. I actually had a hard time figuring out like, how did they get that shot? Yeah, I think because yeah, that, that looks slide. like he's on the mountain. Yeah. I, I, I said the same thing. That's Sylvester Stallone. And then I thought about it. There's no way that's yeah. Sylvester Stallone because he's 4,000 feet up and there's a helicopter in the background. Yeah. And that, yeah. but that's what I'm saying is they got whatever doubles they got that. That shot, it was a continuous shot of there he is, there's the helicopter, we go all the way over the top and reversed. And I was blown away. Yeah. Blown away. And even even all the climbing scenes, you know, Stallone, and in, especially in this movie, has such a specific physique. And yeah. usually like a free climber isn't that just jacked. They're usually like <laughs> slender guys that only eat berries and banana skins or whatever. Right. <laughs> they're like, they're tiny guys. And he's just like... I mean, granted, he's four foot three, but I mean, he's got such an amazing presence. Like, it's how do you find a stunt person that matches his physique that can do all of this free climbing? So incredible. let's quickly, because um, as always, we've jumped ahead, but forgotten to tell people what the movie's about. And I, it's our favorite thing we forget every time. But um, I said, Die Hard on a Mountain. People okay, okay, there you go. <laughs> got it. The, the absolute sort of like the quickest way of putting it down is essentially um, a corrupt U.S. Treasury agent has teamed up with some bad guys to steal a bunch of currency that's being transported in a plane. Uh, that heist goes wrong. Three suitcases end up distributed among the Colorado Rockies, and they essentially kidnap two expert mountaineers who got problems after the opening scene to get that money back. That is the crux of the movie. But there is so much at the same time to this movie. So yeah, that opening scene where, I mean, the tension, I know what's happening. I know what's going to happen. And the fact that the thing breaks, suddenly she's hanging. I'm holding my breath. That mm-hmm. is a masterful opening scene. I mean, like, yeah. just if it was a 10-minute short movie, that would have won an Oscar for Best Short Film. Yeah. That was, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. Like I said earlier, this movie just, it, it opens with that, this insane, tense scene that sets the, sets the, the tone, the, the friction between the two main characters throughout the rest of the film. I mean, well, you want to talk about friction and main characters. Let's also talk about maybe it's such random casting and perfect, but John Lithgow yep. as the bad mm-hmm. guy, he 
just slaps. He is and, such a good and, bad and, guy. And let's 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 play a little game here. Let's play. Uh, what accent is he doing? <laughs> yeah, all of them. He's doing yeah, every there you go. That's all at the same right, time. So you were paying attention. Okay. okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it, was, it was I phenomenal. Figure, like, was he doing his best, like Hannibal Lecter, but not He's so not nasal really. as well. <laughs> yeah. Like when he laughs yeah. about it. So apparently, mildly, he's supposed mildly to be British. British. Okay. He's supposed to be a former British military intelligence officer, and this is something I did not know: is that he was also cast as the secondary villain. Uh, Christopher Walken was the bad guy until right. he dropped out, and I'm like. Yeah. What? Like, but at the same I, time, I, I think a happy mistake because John Lithgow kills it in this. Well, yeah. Or, originally, I heard the, that Renny Harlan, the director, wrote that role specifically for David Bowie to play, which is cuckoo bananas. Oh my God. And Dang, this would have been a movie that everyone's talking about. <laughs> and then, you know, oh, uh, man. Not, not, not until later on in uh, The Prestige, where we blessed with. Uh, a David Bowie role is memorable. <laughs> that in the Twin Peaks movie, yeah, yeah, like, or Labyrinth to a lesser extent, sure. Yeah, but didn't the yeah the, yeah, the, the Labyrinth same same uh, cinematographer as Cliffhanger? Weird connection. Oh, wow. There you go. That's a little random nugget that I just pulled. Out. <laughs> but um, so this the the so it like, opens with an incredible scene, um, but then we also get another incredible scene, a stunt that is in the Guinness Book of World Records for the right. most money paid to a stuntman for one single stunt. And again, imagine if they tried doing this with 90s special effects. It just wouldn't have worked. But they do a plane-to-plane transfer, yeah. for real. A guy on a rope essentially abseils from one plane to another. It is a wildly dangerous stunt. The stuntman got paid a million bucks straight. And again, it just rips doesn't it there's uh, well you were saying like there's got to be a better way to transfer these funds than these <laughs> yeah. suitcases full of money which I, were I'm not, comically they're all thousand dollar bills which i love yeah I'm, I'm not normally this kind of guy but this this is one of those few times where i'm like i i really think getting the money after the plane land is a more practical solution See, Mid-air seems like the worst time. <laughs> Will, you're yeah. saying this, but this was all explained in the movie, man. It's yeah. like it needs to make it look like the plane went down in the storm so they don't know it's even been stolen. If they'd stolen it after, then they would have known. It has to be the perfect crime, Will. The perfect <laughs> crime. Yeah. And the I, funniest I, thing I, is, I, so <laughs> what you're saying is this movie, oh, no. this movie would have been a better with like an opening Star Wars type of scrawl that explains what happened. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. I still think you could have achieved the same thing with like um especially back in the 90s doctoring some paperwork some like shipping like you know information I I think it would have that, been cheaper and less that dangerous. sounds very but cinematic hey. you know that, <laughs> that's the Guinness World Record for most boring plot point. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just there's just an, an insert shot of a stamp on a piece of paper and it just end yeah so, they're just credits as, I, as I've talked about with you guys before, especially as I was a younger person, I couldn't get enough information about how movies were made. I watched every behind the scenes thing I could. I used to watch these things that would come on TV. Interestingly about that scene, that stunt, how real it is, there is a big piece of CGI happening in a couple of shots. Do you know what it is and why? They had to rotoscope the guy's massive balls out of it. <laughs> 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 yep that's Nailed my guess <laughs> so no no what I, no idea so funny enough but there was some rotoscoping going on but 
So the stunt set up as it was, so the shot from inside the plane when you're looking back at the other plane, right? Mm -hmm. um, it took so long and it's such a complicated stunt to get right that as it's going on, they were initially flying over mountains, but they then were flying over desert. So they had to take the footage of the mountains that they'd shot before and put that behind the plane, which is still happening for real. Kind of the same way that they added Paris below Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible Fallout, where he's sort of diving over. So it's still a yeah. real stunt, but there, and it's thing is, I was watching closely. You cannot tell. Seamless, I was, no, I was, no I was idea. So, I was so engrossed in the movie that I wasn't trying to poke holes and like really <laughs> notice stuff. I was just, I was just along <laughs> for the ride at this point. So, so but I will go with Will about like some, this, these bad guys um, are real pieces of shit. And like, as you watch the movie, you know, you start off on the plane that you've got three treasury agents in on this. And then, um, what's the guy? Rex Lynn. Rex Lynn with the guy with the mustache. I love that so guy. Good. He's in so good. He's great in this so movie. So good. He takes out two of the guys immediately. In fact, if you rewatch the movie thinking about this, every single bad guy, except for the British guy, gets taken out by being double-crossed by the team of bad guys. There's the pilot. Yeah that gets shot, so the pilot's dead by the other pilot, yeah. Uh, yeah. and then there's a guy that like, gets injured on the plane during the transfer, so he gets pushed out of the door, and then right. we, we end up on the ground, and everybody gets double-crossed, 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 the woman See, it's, at the end it's, shot it's, through it's, the chest. It's, it's a little-known fact. Everyone thinks Christopher Nolan ripped off the opening scene of The Dark Knight from Heat. No, he got it all from Cliffhanger, baby. Darn right. Yeah. He's a cliffhead. Yep. <laughs> He's a huge cliffhead. Let cliff it be said here. But I, I, I mentioned this, I, and to your point, I think a villain is only good is a villain is only as good as his henchmen. And I loved all of these henchmen. This, you've got the black guy yeah. with like the giant Bowie knife. You've got the Leon. I, I see, yeah, he's, he's the Australian from guy. Cool Runnings, the guy from Cool great. Runnings. I was about to say, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. He's also Leon in Cool Runnings. I like to yeah. imagine it's the same guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, no, they, they were great, great bad guys. And yeah. like for real, I mean, for but, me, it's Rex Lynn. Like he's just chewing it up. As just, he's always and screaming, always so, angry. Oh my god! And yeah, and uh, and another thing that threw me—it's—it's it's so odd to see Michael Rooker not play a villain in a movie, mm. and he great. does this yeah. so well. Like he did. Yeah, it. I mean, you really he, feel for him. He—he—he's got a you know he's got a complicated arc, I suppose. You know, like former best mate. Then you've watched his missus die or his girlfriend die, blames right. him, and he plays that really well. Like it's. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be up here with this guy, but as they go on, like they're becoming more right. and more, their, their friendship comes closer and closer together. Then I'm like, again, I'm rewatching this movie. I go, this is, this is right up there. This is a mm -hmm. very, very good movie. <laughs> In yeah, movie. it's and it. You would think it shouldn't be like no one really, <laughs> for all intents and purposes, this movie shouldn't work. It should just be a night, another one of these schlocky movies. But it really does stand out, and I think. You know, it's a testament to what you're saying. It's it's the the cast of rogues and all of the stunt work, and it just and I mean, you've got Stallone and his most Stalloniest. Mm. I don't know. I can't remember if this is if this is before or after Demolition Man, but like that era of Stallone, just I believe rules. right before because I yeah. think yeah. the the same guy that I was saying, uh, Alex Thompson, the the director of photography, went on to then shoot Demolition Man the same year. <laughs> is oh, it wow. No, it's not. It's yeah. not yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah same that. director, a different director, but same cinematographer. And and Stallone is just 
huge in this movie. Like he is just sh- like a monster. Like the well, steroids not, were on. Well, he's not. He's not Rambo three big. He's Rambo two. He's very lithe. He's like he's all the veins. All it's from veins all the climbing and yeah. everything. But and it apparently movie, also terrified heights. So <laughs> he did. Didn't he? I think I was reading. He did this movie specifically because of that. Like he wanted to conquer that kind of that fear. Not that he. I don't know if he was ever put on top of a mountain, but. Right, and a lot of that's in the studio, and I mean a lot of the other stuff. Like it's you know it's one of those. In the more I hear and I read about Sylvester Stallone, is like, especially back then, incredible ego, to the point of like no. you know that he's a <laughs> oh, screenplay by Sylvester Stallone, but he's usually like oh he jumps in, which is right. one of his movies that was based off a book that he tried to get Cobra. Was it Cobra? That, like he tried <laughs> Cobra, to get his yeah name Cobra put on the book. Yeah, yeah, it was Cobra. Right. He uh, he. Yeah, loved the book, bought the rights. Um, and we were kind of talking about this beforehand. It almost became Beverly Hills Cop. That mm-hmm. became its own thing. But yeah, Cobra, he, uh, once he wrote the screenplay, he tried to find like some way to put his name on the novel as well before the author was like, That's right. Uh, That's no. right. Yeah. <laughs> the bulls on that. Oh, right. I know. I swear. It's one of the cool. And next to this movie had one of the coolest posters. I've ever seen that. Most people think the title of this movie is Hang On because it's not so big. And then Real Bill is, it says Stallone and then says Cliffhanger. (laughs) (laughs) With him doing that massive jump. Um, There's something that I didn't know as well is that because, you know, the the movie is, it feels, I mean, of course it's not, but it also feels very grounded. But they say the original test showing went very badly because Mm -hmm. Rennie Harlan had had just just amped it up to sort of like or, or you know michael bay levels of they've got him jumping like 300 yards instead of yeah, you know like just one scene yeah. they, so they they mm-hmm. sort of they they brought it back down to reality reality again inverted commas um yeah. but i think it worked though i did notice you know how quickly um how how long it took to get <laughs> they they figured out a plot device to get uh sylvester Stallone to get his jacket off and spends oh, yeah. the whole Immediate, movie immediately at four thousand feet, but he's in a cutoff, so you can see all the muscles and everything. And he plays off being cold very well. But I was like, going, "Oh, that's it's insane!" That's but no, what's he's, happening. He's basically, he's climbing this the, the free climbing the face of this mountain to reach one of the suitcases. Another logistical thing that's insane to me. And again, I'm not trying to poke holes in this movie because it is it's perfect. But the, the three there's so if you if you're not familiar with this movie, they're trying to track down. You know, the plane goes down. They're trying to track down the three suitcases full of money with some insane device that looks like an Atari Jag, like an Atari <laughs> Lynx or something. Yeah. Like yeah. A 3D thing that scans the environment. Yeah, like, combined with like, whatever Spock the, uses to, how on quick, the Enterprise. How quickly yeah. they're able to get to each one of these three suitcases from one another is crazy to me. Yeah. They must be covering my, like miles and miles and miles you see that it's like where is it it's up there yeah. well that's a day yeah. and a half away yeah <laughs> like, nah, man, nah, we'll get there but like you know stallone get he has to get up the mountain he that first the first suitcase does not go as planned um but he's like he just casually lifts this suitcase i don't know how much how much money was in these is like 10 million dollars in each one of these or maybe it's 10 million dollars total for that time adjusted for inflation i don't know but this suitcase has to weigh like 300 pounds Full of yeah. full of thousand dollar bills just over his head to avoid the avalanche coming down on him. Again, this guy, this movie's perfect. <laughs> I'm not saying this to be to be snide, but this movie is perfect. Reminds me of that bit from Lord of the Rings, where uh, yeah. it's you've got that whole thing as well. I was like, oh, it's very Lord of the Rings. I was I was gonna say this movie 
does such a good job. I haven't seen a movie like that that just made me feel like cold. Like I mm-hmm. felt yeah. cold. It reminded me of the Leonardo DiCaprio movie where you what's catch that? me if you can. Uh, the yeah, beach. That's it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're going with the Revenant, I believe, right? That's the one. That's why the oh, name yes. escapes me. Yeah. Uh, movie, well, that's just like oh, everyone what? is cold in that movie. In right, fact, everyone's right. dying feels, in that movie. Like, all right. All right. All right. I was just saying, it made me feel very cold, or and like it did such a good job. It was a, a very immersive experience. Yeah, no, you're right. And it's immersive because of the production value. And the production value is because of the location. And the location is Italy. Yep. <laughs> I was like, that as this movie starts, I go, wow, that yeah. looks amazing. But I'm like, I've just watched Red Dawn. I go, that doesn't look like, like the Rockies. And I get, and it also was very yeah. familiar to me. And then very quickly, you get into the Googlies. Um, and it's the Dolomites, which, um, you know, Will and I used to work on a TV show right this minute um with viral videos and so many videos of of guys that wingsuiting and base jumping off those exact towers at the beginning that i'm like no way this is italy like this is what and then the sort of the more i started looking around even them driving there's no real markings on the roads and things like that i'm like i that's what blew me away that like because it's a oh man colorado rockies denver it's all like no it's bloody italy what no wonder it looks so wild but it never once took me out of the cinematic not at experience all. which is no cliffhanger. no it's for yeah. five oh. seconds i went oh it's an italy and then an, oh how holy shit yeah. that's high yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. back in the movie yeah so i think this is technically a spaghetti western then you know <laughs> <laughs> dude i'm with you i'm like you know what sign me up i'm on board yeah. you have me at spaghetti <laughs> Mum's spaghetti. Um, so, like, they also they play well, and I think it, it goes back to kind of what you were saying, Ryan, about like Die Hard in the mountains or whatever. Yeah. But because at no point does like does does Sly's character Gabe um, really have the upper hand. Yeah. You know, he's not yeah. like he's not grabbing no. a machine gun and firing from the hip. He's using mountaineering skills or an, an ice pick, ice like, pick, you know, yeah. thing yeah. or, you know, he's just... Or he's just lifting general... a man into an icicle to kill That's, him. Oh, God. That was the coolest scene. The That's dream. a great way to... I love that. That was a great oh, kill. That. Great yeah. kill. That's, yeah, he has a great fight with Leon. And that's a perfect example because Leon comes yeah. down. He's a trained bad guy and he beats the ever-living shit out of Sly Stallone's yeah. character. And, I, like, just, just he... beats, just wipes yeah. the floor with him until Stallone goes... Stabbed you with a stalagmite or a stalactite, whichever one it is. Uh, as right, right. The only thing missing were like the catchy one-liners. To, that's how you know this movie differentiates itself from other movies like that in the '90s. Is he didn't say the stalagmite hurt a bit, and then just kind of <laughs> hoist him into the uh, into the, into the rocks. Get, get yeah. the point. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> stalagmite <laughs> not, and then yeah. <laughs> God, if only. But yeah. there you go. I mean, you're actually hitting it again. Is kind of what I think elevates this movie is, is in so many cases, it, it, instead of going massive, which so many action movies were doing back in the day, you know, even when we get to, you know, we were talking about Bad Boys 2 last week, is this almost the extremes of stuff. All right. In this case, it, it, it felt gritty. It felt real. I mean, of course, it's, yeah. everything's heightened. Everything, like talking about distances mm-hmm, yeah. and things like that. But it's like, it does a really good job. I mean, like, I always remember what bothered me when I watched this movie as a kid 
is is they are also really good about making the bad guys even worse because they they kill one of our base jumping dudes who I loved. Like, oh, oh, yeah. both. oh man, that broke my heart. And then yeah. and they kill Frank. Then you know oh, like, that breaks my heart every time I see it. Yeah, every time I see it, I'm like, no, no, I don't like yeah. this. You you I don't like this. Is that the bad guys keep kind of winning? It's very, yeah. very good. It's like, you know, yeah. they keep getting ahead and then Sly Sloan gets the upper hand and that, the bad guys get ahead again. So it's like, I'd yeah. almost say it's even better than Die Hard in a way that like, not better, but you know what I mean? Is that the way that the struggle keeps getting yeah. further and further. They keep shifting. Well, because, be- because it takes place on a mountain, the stakes are so much higher is what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> is this on? <laughs> <laughs> Can you cut that? I'll, well, I'll take that again. Yeah. You're right. Each, each interaction, much like Die Hard, each interaction with each individual uh, henchman ex- escalates more and more. And then you've got, you know, the instance with Michael Rooker and the, the guy who's, who goes on way too long about football and his foiled career. It's just uh, literally I was a real good striker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah just, it's great. It's great. <laughs> he's holding soccer? the knife that, that knife that Frank gave him came back. It's great. Oh, man. Poor I know. He poor does poor wait an inordinate amount of time to bring that knife yeah. out. I'm watching that fight and I forgot that fight. And again, Michael Rooker gets the living shit kicked out of him. <laughs> like, yeah, now he's yeah. hanging it off the cliff and he goes, oh, you know what? I've got a really small knife that could it's be- not like a, It's not like Miami Connection where everyone knows Taekwondo. You know, they're just climbers, man. They're just like you and me. <laughs> yeah, but if he they were does, in Orlando, those bad guys would have been done. Michael Rooker does have a one- a one-liner. Mountain there. Ninjas. <laughs> Mountain Ninjas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he does. He gets like, season's over, buddy, or something like that before he shoots the guy. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not how football works. <laughs> <laughs> and then, God. and I do do like as well how the movie just, the, like, it's like, they, they everyone's alive. Um, other FBI agent comes over the radio and here, we'll be there soon. Credits. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yep. they don't waste Literally. any time. There's it's, no, like, We've reconciled. It's yeah. It's the Roger Corman, like, monster movie mentality of monster's dead. Movie's over. Like, let's get out of here. We're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I but, love it. But yeah, Much but like the birdcage, it just ends. Yes. Yeah. I, I had <laughs> yep. the same thought. But it's also yeah. because, well, what's the point? We've, you've just, you've yeah. crammed this movie from, from left to right, top to bottom, just with everything we wanted. And it's over. Cool. Right. Like, we don't need to know the resolution. We don't need the guys to go and have a beer and go, I love you, man. I love you. No. Yeah. The movie's done. Yeah. Great. Roll yeah. the credits. That shit was awesome. <laughs> yeah. This guy's dead. Movie. Yeah, I miss movies. And he, I mean, talk about a, a fantastic villain death with the helicopter, like, tied to the helicopter and everything. Oh, great. Well, I referenced it earlier, like how the special effects kind of reminded me of, like, you know, that moment in uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. But the end, I, again, forgot the throw the money up to getting caught in the ladder to the hanging helicopter to the he comes out of the helicopter and I go it's a it's fallout it's him and Henry Cavill yeah fighting. exactly yes yes yeah like, dude they ripped it off from this <laughs> this is great yeah. yeah I mean you joke but this movie is a, a, an all time Hall of Famer it just rules it is a fantastic yeah. action movie uh, any. Like for you guys, like any any scene that like really stands out to you, or a moment, or shot, things like that. Uh, for me, it was when just Stallone takes his jacket off and he's just jacked. Oh, gets me every time. <laughs> it's no, all I mean, about no, when no, he no, jacks it off. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, but I, there's just there's a standout scene when they're trying to find suitcase number two, and it's now nighttime at this point, and uh, somehow Stallone has made it to one point, and he gets to the suitcase before the guys who have the tracking device get to the suitcase. How it doesn't matter, and he has time to take all of the money out of the suitcase, put the suitcase down, build a snowman. Oh, and, yes. And write a note as well. And write a note, yes. <laughs> and then, and they, there's and then, no tracks on the ground. They can't, it's not like they can just look and see his footprints after. You, it's, it's crazy. You are Again, so no right. holes. Because no then holes. They, they turn up and then they've got night vision. And then yeah. Sylvester Sloan's right there. And so they're getting shot at. I'm like, dude, if you didn't build the snowman, <laughs> yeah. you would have been. They're shooting at a line where the the the, dam, the damsel, I'm not even that she's in a damsel, she's a freaking badass, but there's, I wish there was a scene where they're both running away. And she's like, you just had to build that snowman, didn't you? <laughs> That's the cut of the movie I want to see is them like yes. building it. Just like, yeah. do we have to? This is going to be funny. Just yeah. wait. Yeah. Yeah. And then this the snowman would be freaked out. Yeah. It's sarcastic note, it'd be great. Um, but then uh, written by Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> this is the inspiration for the movie The Snowman. Like right. <laughs> yeah. oh, we're not doing that movie. Um, but that actually set up like that, that other action scene where they're they're sliding down. You know, oh, so cool. Snow, so cool. Like that shot of him when he digs the thing in and goes yeah. over the edge. Like, yeah, I'm I I, I think I'm I'm amazed that this isn't held in higher regard as, as an absolute banger because yeah. there's so much about it that is I'm I'm glad incredible. you said that. I, it's when I was doing my, uh, my hours and hours of exhaustive cliffhanger research. This movie did pretty well, but it was overshadowed by um, uh, a small movie called Jurassic Park. Oh, Jurassic Wish. Yeah, I think that's a movie about lizards or something. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. And you're right. Yeah, this movie should be held in like higher regards from like, and maybe it, maybe it is. Maybe I'm just, uh, it's just not talked about in the action film lexicon like it should be. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just a great, it's almost a flawless action movie except for like the logistical stuff. I think it just does that. I'm, Whatever I'm it really, does, it does really well. Yeah. Everything that it's doing, it does great. I mean, that that's what I mean by when I go back to saying like, for me, Rennie Harlan was an, I heard he was involved in a movie, yeah. I got excited, was because of Cliffhanger. And like yeah. Cliffhanger was one of those movies which I had on VHS. So Are I you saying he, he peaked after Cliffhanger? <laughs> yeah. All right, that's my last one. That's my last oh, one. Oh, man. Don't you dare. Don't, don't you stop. Hits keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, he, uh, yeah, that, that, that movie, I, I mean, I've watched it so many times. And what was surprising to me is that, how much little bits I had forgotten because, yeah. you know, I've got like such an insane movie knowledge, but it had been so long, probably a good 10 years. I think I actually have it on Blu-ray. I just haven't watched it. You know what I mean? For, for like a decade that when I put it in, I'm like, Oh man, this, this was definitely like a laser disc rental for me. Like my, my uncle had this awesome, like uh, home theater. And he was, he was one of the four people who had a laser disc. I remember renting this and it was just, it probably didn't look nearly as good as any Blu-ray did, but at the time, my little brain was blown out of my head. Oh, awesome. dude. I loved renting laser discs as well. I remember, like, I when I was living in Hong Kong, I was about eighteen, and um, uh, where I lived, there was like a club, like a country club, where the pool was, and you can stuff. And they had a little bar, but they had like um, 
uh, a Laserdisc library. You could go sign Laserdiscs out. And I remember getting like oh, wow. The Hunt for Red October. And they were yeah. like LPs, man, because you could open them up and you'd get like pictures and you'd yeah. open them up yeah. again and you'd get all of this stuff. I'm like, whoa, just, look at but this. If, if memory serves, if you even look at those Laserdiscs wrong, they just wouldn't play. <laughs> just yeah. Like you had to have white gloves to handle them and you had to place them on. But man, yeah, no, this movie... I mean, it was such a joy to rewatch. Like, it's one of those, like, for as many times as I've seen it, I was impressed to see how well it holds up. I wasn't expecting it to. I thought it was memory, like, remembering it through rose-tinted glasses. But Me too. It really does. Like, I really enjoyed it thoroughly. I kept, I kept waiting for, like, the accidental cheese or ham to show up, and it actually yeah. doesn't. Yeah. It's quite, quite legit. Yeah. Um, I could, on I mean, that's only, it made, so it's a $70 million movie. It made 255 mil. I mean, this is a legit it yeah they were supposed to they were going to make a a sequel i think that was going to if i remember this correctly i think it was going to take place at like the hoover dam or something to that effect but they just couldn't cobble together a script to have it make sense they're like we'll just do cliffhanger on a different tall thing you know <laughs> what about a, and they're like well what about a building well no, hang, on. <laughs> no. hang on hang on you mean but, die hard in a building that would yeah. be sick <laughs> Well, they already did. What was the, it? Was a daylight or a daybreak where it was? That's a good uh, cliffhanger. Movie. Un, cliffhanger underground, dude. I, in like a I, I think that movie's daylight. That one in the tunnel. That's a proper good yeah. movie as well. I'm like, is that? Ooh, ooh, is that like a Jersey tunnel? I'm gonna put that on my list if we come to no, New Jersey. His, his name, his name in the movie. <laughs> this is the last thing I'll say. His name in the movie is Gabe Walker. Do you think they tried to like? What if we call him Gabe Climber? And they're like, ah, that might be a little on the nose. <laughs> What about Walker? All right, fine. Uh, Written by Sylvester Stallone. What if his name was Cliff Hanger? (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Damn it. We got another rickshaw on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Have we explained rickshaw to anybody, or is it just between us right now? I'm actually, that is not ready yet. It's an us joke, but I'm actually, I'm I'm going to do a video about it. This is, I've been planning this Perfect. So uh, yeah. for those that are listening, Rickshaw is an imaginary movie that, that um, Will pitched on our text thread, just jokily. Oh, it's a Liam Neeson movie. And he just put in a little sprinkling of things well, here for, and there. For, for, for context, just to, just to build this up even more, because it's such a fantastic story. I think the whatever, <laughs> whenever you're watching this or listening to this, the trailer for whatever most recent nonsensical Liam Neeson movie had just come out. And I mentioned to Will, I mentioned the group chat. I was like, my favorite thing about watching these terrible trailers is that it's the whole movie in two minutes. Yeah, so I actually watched I, that. You don't have to watch. So you don't have to watch. And Ollie, <laughs> to be clear, Ollie doesn't watch any trailers. <laughs> he will self-immolate if he watches even one trailer. But you've seen this one Liam Neeson trailer, you've seen them all. So Will went on to, in three seconds, pitch Maybe the Basically. greatest Liam Neeson movie ever, <laughs> never made. Basically so, every yeah, Liam Neeson movie ever made. I've seen so many yeah, at this fair. point. Yeah. I know the formula. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> yeah well, without, well, we, but we won't spoil it here. We won't spoil it here. Okay, but, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. but the, the, this, this, the end of the story is that within 20 minutes, suddenly we get a beep on our phone and Ryan mm-hmm. has created the best Liam Neeson movie poster I've ever goddamn seen in my life. And now I want to see this movie. (laughs) I know. I got legit excited. I was like, should I write a treatment? Like, can we actually, should someone get Liam Neeson on the horn? Dude, honestly, if you sent that to Liam Neeson, that would be greenlit within five freaking minutes. (laughs) And I think we do it. I think we do it tongue in cheek style. Sort of like his villainy role in, um, 
Once Upon a Time in the West. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, right. a million ways like, to die. A million ways to die. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. But yeah, yeah. That, that like, let's, we doesn't need to take it too seriously. We'll get uh, Key and Peel in there because it'll blow their tits off. I mean, this, yeah. guy, this movie's going to write itself. <laughs> It's gonna write itself. I try, yes. I Suck on that AI <laughs> until season three of this podcast, where we get to talk about Rickshaw. Um, but no, what we're gonna do is that we're gonna take a quick twist. We're gonna go from one extremely uh, sort of like outdoorsy, loads of production value movie, and do another one, which is 1984's Red Dawn, uh, directed by John Milius. Uh, he's he uh, did Conan, right? And uh, things mm-hmm. like that. He wrote um, Apocalypse Now. Incredible he's, he's someone that loves war. He loves action, loves yep. war. Never went to war, just liked to do movies about it. Um, and this, this movie, I, like I kind of like alluded to earlier, when I saw the, the cast and I go, it's 1984, you know, I was expecting a shoot from the hips, kind of ridiculous explodey bang pow movie and this movie is way darker than anything i was expecting and i was really interested to see your guys reaction to i think because i don't think ryan you'd never seen it no i'd never seen it It was my first time watch and that will you had yes no 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 actually i had never i think i've seen parts of it i had never seen the entire thing wow wow. okay first time viewing for both of you so i let me tell you my my first viewing of it was Again, I, it was one of those things I'd always seen the poster, I'd seen the VHS box, never watched it. Sounded like my kind of vibe. Um, this was, I was in Shanghai. I was shooting for Lonely Planet at the time. And I, this is like, just at the like, torrents had just started. So I initially stole this movie, okay? Allegedly. 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 FBI, I allegedly stole this movie. Um, <laughs> and I watched it on my laptop and it was just, and I'm watching it, Jesus, this movie is... Oh, wow. This movie is dark and i for sure thought you would have seen it when you were much younger no this is the thing so but i mean this is going back to this is 2008 2008 so it's still like a while ago and then since then i've watched it a bunch of times so all right you guys take take the floor the floor is yours what did you guys think about this movie well by all means you go first Uh, okay um well (laughs) so i think (laughs) i'm trying I'm trying, because I, I never like to be too mean uh, <laughs> to a movie. Be honest, but, man. <laughs> yeah, so this was hard to get through. I, uh, I stopped I, uh, and started it a bunch of times. Um, I fucking hated this movie. <laughs> I hated it. I, I did not for, enjoy it. We'll, yeah, we'll get into the, the plot in a minute, you know, but to kind of give you an overview, the, uh, the opening scene, the premise alone is so cartoonish. And so much yeah. like a 12 a year old's idea of like, all right, here's how I would defend my hometown. Like, you know, like right. something I would have pitched in middle school, but everything that happens is so serious and so dark that yeah. the two tones did not jive for me. And I was having a real hard time with like, they're really treating this like, or trying to treat it like Saving Private Ryan, but the yeah. plot is a GI Joe cartoon. This just is not <laughs> yeah. oh my cutting God. together yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I went into this expe- like expecting one thing because I mentioned in our text thread. I was like, oh, it kind of like the, the core idea reminds me of uh, a movie called Toy Soldiers where it's basically young kids goes up against that movie. bad terrorists. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's I what that I, was so I was expecting. I was expecting Toy Soldiers. And, and you know, I, I was born in 83, but had I seen this movie when I was 
maybe like 10 or 12 years, like 12 years old, much younger, I, I would definitely have a much different opinion about it. I probably would yeah. watch this movie a thousand times. That's why I asked if, you know, if you had seen that movie when you were younger, but as I'm going through this, I'm like, I just, it, it never connected with me. I, like I can understand why it was popular, but it just never mm. resonated with me. I mean, the movie, like it gets going like right away. Like these dudes are parachuting yeah. in. And there's a shot where they like shoot up the school and there's just a kid hanging through the window with a bullet in his head. I'm like, Jesus, this is dark. It's crazy. Yeah. They, I mean, I was, again, rewatching. Now, first of all, I love this movie. So I'm, this is, <laughs> this is the, this is, I'm so happy. This is the first time that we're coming yeah. at it from different sides. Awesome. Yeah. But like, I'm watching it and I go, like you said, as far as a movie not wasting any damn time, yeah. it, it, it just gives you like six title cards which are dominoes falling. They always talk about the domino yeah. theory, right? And so they go, and they go, oh, well, imagine this happened. And then this place was invaded. And then NATO cuts off. America stands alone. So it just sets up this whole, you know, there's right. threats from the South, you know, Venezuela. There's threats from, uh, threats from Cuba. Russia's taking control of Europe. Bang. And so they just see, set up and, this alternate and, world in five seconds. And I'm like, well, I never, I never knew that. I just always assumed it was like, oh, it's just Russians invading. But then when they threw in like three other territories, I'm like, it's too many things, man. I was, so, <laughs> I was like, I mean, there's, imagine, there's so many different languages. It's nuts. At, at, at that time, right. you know, early eighties, you know, that's a real, a very real fear. This I mean, was going to happen. I just watched uh, two nights ago, um, a movie that gave me nightmares as a child. Um, Red Dawn, the remake. It's well close. It's uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Damn right. That gave me nightmares. Um, it's it's an HBO movie, but it's shot in four three because it was before like. So it's it's called By Dawn's Early Light. Has Powers okay. Booth in it as well. It's is is a um, if it's a nuclear war kind of breaks out movie. It's dark. It's yeah. great. I would very much recommend it. Uh, Walter Matthau is president. Powers Booth is pilot of a B fifty two. Uh, it's all kind of a misunderstanding. And Wait, it was, is he the same pilot that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> the crossover. Um, no, because in this one he pilots F-15s. Um, but it's 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 comes from that same sort of time of. I remember growing up, and I was like, you know, as we did, but we grew up in that time of the Cold War of when are the Russians going to kill us, kind of thing, right? Right. Yeah. And it's like I remember watching by dawn's early light and being i was having nightmares i was just and my dad came in and i remember he said it's all right look it's a nuclear bomb. all we have to do is we'll just dig a hole in the ground and the bomb will go over the top of us and i go oh okay i believe that for like 10 years duck <laughs> and cover duck. Yeah. <laughs> i was like 20 years old and i went yeah. wait a minute <laughs> that's that's so ridiculous we all know the way to survive is you get in a lead line fridge Right. That yeah. is how you survive a nuclear blast. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you joke, but you defend. You like that movie. I still haven't seen it. I do like that movie. Yeah, you're on record saying that. I'm going to see it tomorrow I'm in the next couple of days. Probably on record. Yeah. Probably on record is saying there are no bad Indiana Jones movies. I've only Stand by seen, it. I've only I had seen so Crystal many. Skull once. I saw it in theaters. I have it on Blu-ray. I've never watched it again. I really want to give it another go. But at the same time, I'm like, do I also really want to give it another go? Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. And we'll, we'll watch it for the pod. <laughs> yeah. I didn't figure out a way of doing that. Yeah. Where did that bomb go off? Nirvana? We'll figure that out. Um, yeah. But Red I Dawn. I think so, actually. So for me, Red Dawn, it, it does, instead of going the toy soldiers route, which is still kind of like, a, in a way, yeah. dark movie. I really, mm -hmm. oh, where's yeah. that school set? We're doing this in the podcast. But Red Dawn, <laughs> for me, 
is, it's all, I mean, it's just, it feels very, very real. Um, yeah. I was surprised about how much, like, cause it's just shot. It just put the camera, there's a school, put the camera, there's a mountain, there's two helicopters, there's an explosion, there's, you know, like something happened <laughs> in the background. It's like, it's- I wrote down, this This looks like a GTA online lobby <laughs> where you're just thrust <laughs> into this thing and there's planes and there's helicopters and tanks and RPGs. There's so many RPGs being fired at school buses and through this, this, this that opening scene of the school is wild. It's yeah. so yeah. crazy. dude. And it and just happens so fast. But you again, you're inside the class and you're looking out the window and you see actual paratroopers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's that's why I think this movie feels so very, very visceral to me, because so much of it is real. There's no I don't I couldn't pick one shot in this movie that felt like it was shot in a studio. You know, yeah, I think they just they just true. literally it's all on location. We've done it again. I love it, but <laughs> we haven't told you the plot of this movie, but okay. Look, quickly get into it. 1984, Russia, Cuba, and some some South American countries all invade America. This is set in Colorado in a tiny tiny little town, which is like you know right next to the mountains. Um, and essentially, as they said in the first five minutes, we're in a high school. Everybody gets shot up and died. And Patrick Swayze, former high school football star, um, Charlie Sheen, his brother, C. Thomas Howell. Um, and then a couple of other characters jump in a pickup truck and uh, they dodge bullets and helicopters and explosions and they, they escape up to the mountains and they start a kind of Lord of the Fliesian resistance group called the Wolverines, who are the name of their local football team. Um, and they start basically a resistance. Uh, a little way into the movie, they go visit a friendly guy. He then has his two granddaughters, Jennifer Grey and Leah Thompson. Um, who are then brought into the Wolverines as well. And they're mostly just surviving. Um, but then that kind of gets to this point where they start fighting back. And that's actually something I want to talk about as well is because it, how the progression of their abilities is very well done in this movie. The very yeah. first time they accidentally come across these Russians and they kill them. And it's like, it's chaotic, <laughs> accidental and panicky. And then you yeah. see as their tactics grow and grow and how like the very first time you see them wearing camouflage they've got twigs in their hair and they yes, look ridiculous yeah. but then hilarious. when they're doing camouflage later they're doing proper camouflage and it's like it's actual like a ghillie suit kind of thing and i'm like yeah. little things like that that i'm watching it again and i'm just seeing man it does actually show you the progression of their characters and the way that they grow and the way like say leah thompson's character that it's always alluded that something happened like, yeah, she's like, she's what? doing her best like male impression. But yeah. I, I just didn't I I had a hard time grasping, I guess, the timeline in this movie because it does it jumps like quite a bit in time. And, but the whole thing takes place in the course of six months. Yeah, right? about six five months, months, six months. Right? Because it tells you it goes in yeah. like September, September, you know, October, January, November, right? December. Yeah, yeah. So it kind <laughs> of like right. boils it, it down. It jumps around, but they do a good job because it starts out in, in September, so it's like late summer, and then it goes into the winter time, so you get the snow. So it, it it did a good job on that, but I'm like, man, they early on, I'm like, how many is it? It seems like it's been two days, and they're just now they're they're handling machine guns, and Jennifer Gray is on a freaking LMG, and it's nuts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Milius Milius is a director. He one of his strengths is um, he's really good at showing character progression in terms of like gaining skills. Like this happens a lot in Conan, um, mm -hmm. where uh, you see him start like Conan's like start to learn. 
things like tactics and strategy. Like he starts off just big muscly guy, but you see him kind of like gain skills throughout the movie that he uses later on. And so Milius is really good at doing that, but not so good at keeping track of like how much time is between all these things. Yeah. It's just, that's another, like you also see that in Conan. So yeah. that's a strength is, you know, he's really good at tracking character progression, not right. so great at defining exactly how much time this is supposed to be taking just kind of general, like, yeah, th- this is yeah. this month and this is this month now, you know? Right. I mean, I would say the characters have, I mean, like the one character, like C. Thomas Howell, who goes from kind of like being, you know, it's not so bad, you know, to drinking the blood out of the deer to being, yeah, they're just their cold blooded murderer when his dad gets killed. And it's like, and you've got all these extra actors, these guys you all recognize playing the dads, playing the Harry mayor. Dean Stanton, yeah. Oh. And it's like, you know, avenge me, avenge me. <laughs> and, um, I mean, that's the thing. I'm like, I was, I'm surprised you guys didn't dig this movie. I'm surprised. But at the same time, I understand everything that you guys are saying. Cause, cause my I'm problem, watching... I think was, my problem is I think we watched, I watched cliffhanger first and then followed it up with this movie. So I was just like, well, this, I mean, come on. You've talked about this right, before. It's yeah. all about the order. Cause I started. It, does, it really point. does. Yeah. I mean, we, as soon as we finished the last podcast, I went down and watched Red Dawn that night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did the same with Cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. See, after I, watching I, The Birdcage again. <laughs> that's so funny because I watched The Birdcage again right after our episode. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I actually, I also started with Red Dawn and, uh, and then went into Cliffhanger. So I, I think for me, what was really killing it was again the story being conceptually so over the top and then what was presented to me was so serious that my brain couldn't reconcile the two and that's where i was really having a hard time because performances are good um there were like the character progressions were good but also some of those other ancillary kids who were like in their group I, I couldn't, after a while, I'm like, wait, who died? Tell them who's, apart. Who's yeah. in there? Who is this? Right. I Charlie the Sheen and the other kid have the same jacket, which did not help. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and the idea of Charlie Sheen wearing that jacket six months later as they're all wearing camouflage and everything, but he's right. still wearing that Wolverine's jacket. God bless him. Yeah. It, so there were, there were things like that that I just sure. think, you know, I, they just didn't track for me as well as it did for other films. I don't yeah. know. Uh, one thing I for sure thought Jennifer Grey was going to have a much bigger role in the. All right, now we're just like the third movie we've done with Jennifer Grey, so we're becoming the Jennifer Grey cast. But um, I thought, for some reason, thought she would have a much bigger role in this than she did, given all, everything that went on between her and uh, her and Patrick Swayze. But then Leah Thompson just comes out of nowhere and becomes a feral, like a feral creature playing on the whole Wolverine aspect, I, I suppose. But <laughs> it, was, it was like interesting to say, I wrote down like, oh, it's just First Blood Junior. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. cool. And cool. then has that, the whole plot, like, so then uh, halfway through the movie, so we kind of like, it also kind of reminds me of uh, the second to last Harry Potter movie where they're on the run and they're getting information by, mm-hmm. the ra- by radio. And so, that, so they've got the radio. And so it turns out that they are like 20 miles behind the front line. So the, the war is sort of like stagnated. The, the initial invasion hasn't gone great. Um, and so then a, a plane of F-15 gets shot down and that's when we introduce Powers Booth into the crew, um, which yeah, kind of right. shifts the dynamic a little bit. At this point, they've been doing pretty well. He teaches them a few more tactics. And then also then he just like, and then he dies. 
you know, yeah. not not that much longer afterwards. Like, but Powers then, Booth, I think, makes any movie better as soon as oh he turns up. Yeah, but, first of all, the second he showed up, I had to rub my eyes because I've never seen a young Powers Booth, which is unbelievable. Dawn's only light, like, buddy. Dawn's only light. Powers Booth is is up there in the pantheon of just incredible actors' names with like a Rutger Hauer and a Delroy Lindo. Just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just the best names you've ever heard. Rick yeah, I thought he was great in this movie. <laughs> Cliffhanger. I can go on. <laughs> but uh, there's, there's a scene where they're, so early on in the movie, um, once the in- invasion happens, you know, they're, they, they rush out of the school in some fantastic fashion and get to this gas station, which is somehow just fully stocked with weapons Dude, it's, they load it's everything they can yeah fair 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 <laughs> but they they grab like there it's like a really quick shots of them grabbing weapons and pulling ammo off of the carts and then loading up with like cheerios and just supplies and then one of them grabs a football I'm like oh man i hope this comes into play later they're gonna just take some dynamite to it and throw it into a thing but no they really just have like a a bit of a toss around and then and then Powers Booth and Leah Thompson's character have like a real will they, won't they? That made me a little uncomfortable. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Weird. Because she's like, what? Gonna, was maybe 18 and he's like, maybe 70 slash 40 slash 35. She's like, well, was, what was your wife like? And just, it was, it was weird. I don't know what was going on there. I yeah, know. I didn't like that. That was, uh, when those yeah. scenes were happening, I was like, uh, what? Wait. I, Why? What's happening? Yeah. Why? Why are we doing this? In our yeah. anti-communist, like pro-American film, why is this coming up? <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that. That uh, that made me uncomfortable. I think they were trying to maybe humanize him, but yeah, and this movie also too. Like after watching Cliffhanger, which is a much shorter film, like I wasn't expecting this to be. It's just this movie's like just over two hours. It, but I know that it not needed quite to be because two really, hours. It's not. Uh, yeah. It, well, it's actually now I'm looking at it. <laughs> Red Dawn and Cliffhanger at the same same length. Oh, oh wow. They're one minute off. But then I know exactly what you mean. Red Dawn feels like a much longer movie. It than felt, yeah, because there's so mm-hmm. much going on. They're really packing it in. Like I said, it takes, it takes, um, uh, it, it goes over a much longer time period. So it just, be, there's just so much heavy plot. And then another thing, I, mean, I don't know if you guys have this problem. I watched this on Amazon Prime. My subtitles were not working for me. So anytime any actor was speaking a language other than English, it just said in subtitles, speaking Spanish or speaking Russian. And then it just wouldn't have any dialogue. So I had no idea what was going so, on. Funny enough, Will and I had the opposite. That I thought yeah. my subtitles were broken because anytime, like, if it said train station on a sign, it would say train station on subtitles in English. So it would translate yeah. English to English. And I'm like, huh. what? But then when it got to anyone speaking um, like Spanish, Cuban, or speaking Russian... This is something that I liked, though, in the movies, that it's not people going, I am a Russian guy. You know, they're just speaking Uh, the language they should be speaking. You know, so that level of verite I enjoy. That's why, like, when I was watching, I was texting you, because I I know you'd seen the the movie before. I'm like, is this, like, was this done intentionally? Like, you're not supposed to, because I'm watching this as an American, I'm not, I'm, it's not intended for me to understand what they're saying. But I I mean, I get the gist of it through the cadence, but I'm kind of out of the loop of of what's going on. Funnily enough, like so we we were talking before we just before we started recording, I was like, I was like, actually, that's exactly my experience of the first time watching it because I downloaded it, but I had downloaded it. It didn't have subtitles attached; they weren't embedded in the video, so I had to do the same thing as you. I had to kind of derive context from. Okay, well, right. that guy's speaking Spanish and that guy's speaking Russian, so that's a Cuban guy, that's a Russian guy. And then the new guy turns up and he's briefing them. I go, all right, it's tactics. He's briefing them on tactics. Because I bet it's like, you know, 
you're generally going to be a little confused when the Cuban guy lets yeah. them go at the end. You know? there's, yeah. there's a there's a bit where they're they're all it's again I, it was hard for me to keep track because yeah you know, there's there's Russians that are speaking Spanish and vice versa it's confusing for me but there's a scene where you have all of the the Russians and the and them together and the and again I had no subtitles so I didn't know what was going on but there's there's boards behind them and one of them just has pictures of of actual Wolverines and I hear him yeah. just like describing to these his comrades what a Wolverine is and why he should be afraid so my mind was <laughs> racing to try to understand like whoa is he explaining what a Wolverine is so they should be afraid Great. <laughs> no it, yeah. dialogue needed Interesting, like because it's there is a bit more nuance added to the characters when it with the with the um, the subtitles that the Cuban guy he's somewhat disillusioned by what's going on, um, mm -hmm. you know he's definitely like he's writing letters home to his missus and stuff, which is why you know he sees these kids and he just kind of lets them go, um, and then uh, I guess as well that you didn't see like I always quite like that bit that is the first time like I said the first time they kill the Russians mm -hmm. as those guys drive up to that sort of scenic point and they're reading the. You know, what yeah. does that say? And the guy right is doing, on. he's giving you ex kind of what it says, but he puts a, a, a sort of a <laughs> communist twinge on, oh, the capitalist dogs of, you know, this, that, and the other. <laughs> like, uh, you know, that when they took down the, the Native Americans, and it was actually really funny. <laughs> it's, that scene went on for so long as he's reading this full paragraph <laughs> on, this, on this wooden yeah. sign overlooking this, this ravine. And I'm like, oh my God, he's just, he's still going. So I don't know so what you did with the subtitles because like like Will and I were talking about it as well as like I was like I don't know because I had them turned off yeah but then yeah. they were doing it and I'm like did you have them turned on? But that's only because you speak fluent Russian and yeah, exactly and Spanish. Yeah. a lot of people don't <laughs> yeah. know that. Or as you said earlier, <laughs> speaking Cuban. <laughs> <laughs> it's Spanish with a Cuban accent. That's your Guatemalanus, dude. I saw Bad Boys too. Bloody dread. I get it. <laughs> And we're cancelled. <laughs> How did you? And then, so I get into this movie. I remember the first time I watched it, the same as you. Uh, you know, I love Toy Soldiers and stuff, and I'm expecting it. You know, happy ending. Spoiler alert: not a happy ending. Everybody dies. Yeah, <laughs> it's just well, everybody dies. Jennifer gets taken out by, out by a hind helicopter. C. Uh, Thomas God. Howell gets taken out by a hind helicopter, and then the two brothers go out. To make a distraction. Oh, that's right. So two people do get away, right? Leah Thompson survives, does she yeah. not? Right. Leah Thompson yeah. and boy number three. And that guy yes. whose name we don't remember that almost kind of looked like the guy who was the son of the mayor who died. They did all look too sim they, they they look all too similar. It was hard to hard to keep up. Yeah. Yeah. But the, yeah. the scene where they're all um uh, there's two uh, battling tanks across from one of like uh -huh. far away from one another. On the front line. The tank just pulls up and they're just like, ah, shit, what do we do now? And they climb the tank. That was great. I thought that was fun. But that's what I'm yeah. saying. The production value yeah. on this film. Oh, yeah. Was, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. it was, Everything looked great. It was shooting in towns, outside of towns, up in the mountains, real tanks, real planes, real helicopters, real explosions. Yeah. Like, you know, that's for me. Is like, that's something about that movie that I really enjoy that I feel like it kind of does take me in. And I'm such a sucker for Cold War stuff. Like, I am yeah. just, this absolutely is my jam. It's the Bridge of Spies. It's it's Hunt for Red October. It's yeah. even, what's the one with, it's Firefox, man. Ah, yeah. Firefox. Have you ever seen that with Clint Eastwood? Where he goes and steals this experimental Soviet jet and flies it out. It's like oh, the first yeah. 
the first 90 minutes or the first 60 minutes are this taut sort of espionage thriller. And then the last, the last 30 minutes are just two jets duking the out across the world. And I'm like, yes, plug it into my veins. <laughs> jacked up on this shit. You've never seen See, Firefox, by the way? No, I, I know the only thing, well, I've seen a bit of Firefox because I know the opening like flight through the clouds was used as the opening of Back to the Future 2. Dude, so, uh, I've seen a bit of it. I found so familiar. That's no way you've blown my no mind. Kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I remember re- hearing the commentary, and Zemeckis is like, "We didn't actually have like an opening for the credits, so we just took the footage from Firefox and, and slowed it down, put it into stop." Yeah. In Firefox, <laughs> is, it's a very fast jet, so it's all sped up, but he's flying through the air. Dude, that's wild. Yeah. So I've wow. seen that much of it. Dude, I love uh, Firefox. Firefox is terrible and great. I yeah. love it. There is. I was there you sold me. If if Red Dawn had a, we were texting. If Red Dawn had a submarine in this, you would have passed out from blood pressure loss. <laughs> and then what did I watch? I watched Greyhound immediately after. Yeah. I, I tell you what, Firefox has a submarine. It comes up through the Arctic ice and refuels it. Brilliant scene. Oh, oh yeah. I've got a Firefox on Voodoo. If anybody wants to watch it, uh, it's absolutely amazing. Um, so it I've seems got Firefox that- on my computer. It's my web browser. <laughs> It seems that when it comes to Red Dawn, you guys found it dumb and dumber. But there is still one more movie to talk about, and that's Dumb and Dumber. Um, which Dumb and um, Dumber Two, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dumb and right. Dumber Er, the prequel. No, yep. <laughs> no, we are doing the absolute banger, 1994. Um, the 1994, the year of Jim Carrey. You know, mm-hmm. even in oh the UK, God. the year of some guy we've never heard of. Right, you know, or as many people knew him, like the the white guy from In Living Color in America. Like, so in the UK, <laughs> sure, we we don't get Saturday Night Live, we don't get In Living Color, we don't get any like Second City, any of these sort of things that are very familiar to you guys. So all just, of these movies come out, and these are just funny people to us. They just go here well, is what you, 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 you didn't get with that, and you get healthcare, which we don't have. So yes, I guess right. it's, you know we get healthcare. Kind of a fair trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this 1994, we had you got Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, which just explodes. Then you get The Mask, which introduces it, right? Cameron Diaz, and then you get Dumb and Dumber. Oh yeah. And this is the <laughs> this is what took in the space of ten months Jim Carrey from who to most. Highest paid yeah. actor. He was in, making like 20 million a picture at that time. Yeah, like he, was, he got and then right going for, to the, for the cable, cable guy. guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. He yeah. negotiated so for, twenty million for Dumb and Dumber. So they cast him originally, and they were going to offer him three hundred and fifty thousand for this movie. And then Ace Ventura lands, and it's number one, and it's number one the next week, and it's number one the next week, and it's like so every week. Oh my god, his um, his fee is going up. So they end up closing on seven million for Jim Carrey, and they paid Jeff Daniels fifty thousand dollars. That's ridiculous. Jim Carrey, like, uh, like he he worked really hard to get Jeff Daniels in this movie. He took a didn't he take like a a pay cut? He did not. It's it's actually the other way. It's kind of a weird. Oh, okay, okay. So so the studio didn't want Jeff Daniels. His agent didn't want it. He says it's going to kill your career. So they offered 50 grand as an insult so that he would turn it he down. He wouldn't take it. And Jeff Daniels is like, I want to work with Jim Carrey and I think I can do comedy. Wow. And so yeah. he's like, 
it, it's one of those things of just like, you know, they, they tried to make him turn it down. He goes, sure, I'll do it for 50 grand. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, it, it's also for like to defend the agent for a little bit. It's not crazy to tell him at the Jeff Daniels, especially at that time, like, hey, this might be a bad career move. He was coming off of Gettysburg where he's like phenomenal <laughs> in Gettysburg. Yeah. Um, and then the very next year he does this the same year he does speed. And so Weird. it's it's kind of the same way that it's in um, John C. Riley. Like he was yeah. like in all of these yeah. movies, serious movies. And then they goes, Hey, by the way, do you know, I'm also really funny. <laughs> and, then, mm-hmm. and then suddenly all you get is John C. Riley being hilarious movies for a while. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. this is, it's one of those interesting things. Like that's always, it's one of those biggest sort of pay gaps in history kind of thing. You know, and, and it's, usually it's like the man getting paid 7 million and the girl getting paid like 50 grand. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard <laughs> to understate the chokehold that, Ace Ventura as a movie had on us as a culture, almost in the same way that like Austin Powers did, like mm-hmm. in the cultural lexicon, like everyone was bending over and talking out of their ass for yeah. a long period of time. Somebody and then, <laughs> and then <laughs> you know, like you said, the mask, like he was just the biggest star on the planet. And it's no wonder he was getting that much money for these films, I mean, which just had relatively no budget. He was just, I, it's crazy. Think of that. Your first three feature films are the three biggest movies of the year, essentially. He just went mm-hmm. from zero to Tom Cruise <laughs> yeah. in the blink of an eye. And it's because he's just the Jim Carrey of it all. I mean, it's so fascinating to sort of like to see the Jim Carrey of today who, you know, he just paints in his loft in, in New York. And it's like he's been very open about, oh, I'm a manic depressive. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like I'm a very depressed guy. And did he did, uh, just, was it? Kick ass too, and he's like, I just can't, like, I can't get behind the. the yeah, the, that's the when he backed away. Scary, right? Yeah, I never did watch Kick Ass too. The first one was so good, but I never did go into the second one. I don't um, think anybody did. Yeah, <laughs> I think, I'd say, you know, um, yeah, one person has ever watched that movie. Fun fact: You'd think it was, <laughs> it was, it wasn't the number twenty three. It was, <laughs> it was Kick Ass. Joel two, Schumacher. Joel oh, Schumacher, man. number twenty three. I remember that time. poster. Apparently he was well into it. Jim Carrey, that was a massive turkey. He was obsessed with the book. Like he was obsessed with, like he became obsessed with the number 23 after doing that movie. I was just hearing about that as well. The thing is, it's like, I think for me, it's something I've been recommending to a lot of people. I did it. um, Again, I was at right this minute. I had just, it was a quiet day and I actually watched the documentary at my desk. You know, I was waiting for voiceovers or whatever, but it was the, the man in the moon documentary, the making. Oh, it's incredible. Oh, is it oh, Andy and, oh, right, Andy and right. me or me? Yeah, and me something or, like that. Yeah. That is yeah. essential viewing. It really mm-hmm. does get you into just like, and all these people, all these filmmakers talking about Jim Carrey, like, wow. <laughs> like, that guy goes deep. Yeah. That guy is deep. There's a lot to Jim Carrey. Yeah, I, I have mixed, I have very complicated feelings about Jim Carrey these days. Um, yeah, But like, as a kid, he was like a comedy idol of mine. Like, oh, yeah. to the point where I was... Uh, literally because i was a little kid at the time i was like 10 i think nine or ten when a bat uh batman forever came out mm. and where he was the riddler i was uh, such a sensitive little kid i was sad he was playing a villain i was like no because he's like my hero like he yeah. that upset me that much like that's how it like i still think i watched <laughs> yeah, the mask right? the other day and it still holds up like still incredible this movie dumb and dumber holds up i i was scared yes, this does. wasn't going to hold up 
I, and I was dying. Thing. There were some, there were like a handful of jokes that just didn't land as well as they did sure. when I was like much younger, but there are some that just, I was like, there's no way the scene of Jeff Daniels with explosive diarrhea <laughs> is going to be as funny as it was. And sure as shit, I was God. dying. And I think it's a testament <laughs> to like the, the sound effects and that picture. You, know, you watch these, these behind the scenes videos of the, um, like these Foley artists. artists and imagine yeah. like you get to work. And like, all right, we've got the scene set up and you're just, it's just Jeff Daniels on a toilet and you have to emulate the sound of this diarrhea and it's flawless. That is all I'm thinking about. Give me that movie. As that scene is going through, all of my brain is, I am the Foley artist and you're hearing every little, little, everything. I mean, it is a visceral scene. Like the sound of his tummy rumbling. The gurgling. The gurgling. And I think, I think what makes it so funny is we've all been there. I think yeah. every yeah. human being has had a moment, that moment. And like, you're watching it and there's like, cause I get, dude, I'm watching this like, like, like this. And I'm just, I'm just laughing yeah. so hard, but I'm going, I'm listening to every moment, every sound, every acting moment on his face. And he has this little smile and they, they go, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like this little squeak that comes uh, out. That's a great. His, his acting in that, his diarrhea so acting good. is phenomenal. And I was like, yeah. and I was like, for me, just going, I wanted to talk about this scene. I'm so glad you brought it up. Cause I'm going, it's literal toilet humor and it is mm-hmm. peak comedy. It shouldn't yeah. work, but it's still, I was shocked that it's still. Me too. Up. No, I think I like, we've, have we, am I wrong? Have we gotten ahead of ourselves and not talked about it? hundred percent. Yeah, we have. Great. So yeah. I'll do it quickly. Just making sure, just making sure we're keeping our track record a thousand percent. Yeah. We're so we did. i being bad at this. I love it. But for those that haven't seen it, uh, Dumb and Dumber. Shame on you. <laughs> Tell yes. story. Yeah, I'm supposed to marshal this stupid thing. Oh my god, um, <laughs> Harry and Lloyd, um, uh, two guys that live in Rhode Island. Um, uh, Harry is um, he runs mutt cuts as they drive around their big dog car, their dog truck. Uh, Iconic. Who's got the foot long? And um, Lloyd is a he's a limo driver. Limo driver. Who, right. He has to drive a young lady, Mary Sampsonite. Sorry, Swanson. <laughs> to the airport. Mm-hmm. Still funny. Such so stupid joke that still lands. It's fucking every time. Um, but the thing is, she leaves her briefcase. He falls in love with her on site. Um, I love that bit in the scene where he's driving the limo and he goes, You gotta oh be God. careful on the roads, people all over the place, and they <laughs> yeah. go to the intersection. You see the <laughs> explosion in the back. Yeah. Like, you know, you're, you're more likely to die on the way to the airport in a horrific car accident than you are. <laughs> This movie's so good. Um, and in the background, cars are exploding. It's fantastic. But this is where the movie, like, it does take a turn because it's an interesting, they throw them into the middle. It's just like Cliffhanger. Blue collar guys yeah. in the middle of something else. Because Mary, you said it. she puts her briefcase down <laughs> at the airport. Um, Lloyd Christmas sees it happen, grabs the, the briefcase. And what that was, it turns out, was actually a ransom to be paid to kidnappers of her husband. Um... She's on the way to Aspen. Uh, she's mentioned this in the ride. So Lloyd, who's just completely in love, and these guys are basically broke, and they've both lost their jobs um, and are being pursued by two mob murderers, potentially, <laughs> um, <laughs> decide to drive from Rhode Island to Aspen, Colorado. So it's kind of a road trip movie, the last sort of 40 minutes of which takes place in Aspen, Colorado. Um, so there we go. That's the movie. Um, there's so many great scenes in this movie. Like you were talking about, why is it funny? Why does this work? I think my favorite, I always wait for the moment. And it's like, 
when um, near the beginning where Harry's like, how did you get chips? We've got to be careful. He goes, oh, I made some extra road money. Oh, oh, I, yeah. I sold some stuff to what's Jimmy or whatever. And he goes, the blind kid? And he goes, yeah. Uh, yeah. The acting of the... <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, oh yeah, my god! The, the, the line delivery of him saying, "You stole my dead parrot to a blind kid." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I took, yeah, I took, I took care, care of, of it. it. I took care of it. <laughs> and I, I quote so that together. kid. I quote that kid all anytime oh, I see somebody bird. talking pretty about bird. Bird. <laughs> pretty bird. Pretty bird. Pretty bird. And in true Fairly Brothers fashion, like casting, like actual actors with disabilities i'm <laughs> fairly certain that kid is hundred percent blind and if not bravo nailed it great <laughs> yeah great great blind acting <laughs> but the, with him petting petting the bird with the, the bird's head tape <laughs> jesus our pets heads are falling off <laughs> oh my god such it's a stupid movie oh, it, it, it's shocking how do you forget like and, and again, maybe it's um, because I'm watching it with fresh eyes for this movie. I'm like, there's how are they so dumb? Like, what makes them so dumb? But it just works. Like, you've there's like it's almost an endearing quality with how stupid they are that they're just oblivious and just don't get there's it. Too many to even like, like yeah. the cuts. The like, you know, when he's like, he just goes to he has to go to the store to pick up something. Goes, oh, I'll. I mean, I'm not, I'm not an idiot. Next shot, giant cowboy hat, <laughs> yeah. playing with a toy, carrying all this beer. <laughs> and, then yeah. just, and then gets robbed by an old lady. And the way he enters yeah. the like the apartment and just drops to his knees. I'm just yeah. like, the physical acting of Jim Carrey. Huh. He's, he's just a master. Yeah. An absolute master. Yeah. I mean, like, there are no so many lines no from this movie that I quote. Like, I was watching Independence Day um, the other day because it was July 4th. And of course, we put Independence mm-hmm. Day on. We got the kids coming down. And it's just, you know, it's one of those bits where like they're about to just kick the alien's ass, and I go, "Kick his ass, sea bass." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. Sea bass. There's just there's so many lines. Every time I walk into a quick trip, I'm like, "Big gulp, huh?" All right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I'll I think that scene way. it was like famously improv, and they just liked it so much they just kept kept them in there. They were just rolling the cameras, and they just I, left it in. I remember. You know what? This is. It was weird. I was thinking about this, but like, I think I want to, I'm going to have to look this up, but what year did like Stargate come out? Cause I remember like I saw Stargate um, in the Leicester square Odeon. Okay. So like it's, um, 1994. Excellent. That I'm, my memory is correct. So, so the Leicester square Odeon is like, it's, it's Leicester square in London. It's like, you know, it's where you always get movie premieres. It's kind of like the, the, the Chinese theater in LA. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's an excellent, excellent screen. I remember seeing Stargate there, but I also remember seeing the trailer for Dumb and Dumber. That's, I mean, I literally remember seeing the trailer and it was the, the bit where he goes, don't worry, I'm a limo driver. And then yeah. it's like that yeah. beautiful shot. And you, just, you just see him ah! fall out the end of the jet. Yeah. What happened? Oh, I fell out of jetway again. 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 <laughs> again. Great. Did like, they use that? The I remember. I don't remember the trailer for that. But did they use the same song from the like the opening credits of that movie? I, that, I'm like, not sure. The, God, that's a deep I don't. Cut. If I was it's a great song. One, I'd be amazed. And also notice too, like if you watch that the opening credits, a lot of like music by like produced by all of it spelled wrong. Yeah, yeah it's, all never spelled wrong. I never yeah. that. Yeah. I totally forgot that part as yeah. well. In case you weren't sure that they're dumb, they lay that on you. 
the movie yeah. can't even spell names right. Yeah, yeah, that's it's phenomenal. Really immersive experience. It made me the, feel like a complete idiot. The chemistry <laughs> between Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey. Mm. You know, you can't yeah. triple stamp a double stamp. You can't triple stamp yeah. a double stamp. You can't no. triple stamp. Just like the the back and forth banter of those guys, they were on fire. I and mean, then, and for, for a road trip movie, it's so crucial to have that. And like, I don't think there's no other two people that could have nailed it, except maybe Will Smith and uh, Martin Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> the only two others. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I remember, uh, again, right this minute reference, but remember the, the cop that pulls them over for speeding? Harlan um, Williams. Harlan Williams, uh, yeah. We, uh, we interviewed him uh, on right this minute. And I was oh, that's right. And uh, and I was like, I just want to say, I always loved you in uh, in in Dumb and Dumber. That sound you make when you drink pee. And he goes, "You mean this?" And he goes, and I was like, yeah! "Oh my god, that sound is it's crazy." So that's him actually doing that is fantastic. He's you so know, great. That reaction is so visceral because you're just like, "Don't drink the pee." I mean, again, you can talk about the Foley artist. The sound effect of him filling up the bottle with pee. Oh uh, uh, yes, bottle. yes, yes. yes. It's so glad you said that. It's perfect. <laughs> you hear the you get, little drips on the floor, the floor, yep. the, the floor panel of the truck. No, and then when he goes to pass it, it just he it's pee on him. He just wipes it. Oh click, my god, yeah, it's just, perfect. Just wipes oh. it off him. Oh, oh, so good. The it's fact great. that it's like four it's or five so bottles too is just <laughs> phenomenal. I the scene it's burning in my head. And he's like, "What are you, a camel?" And he goes, <laughs> just, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> I was just I, honestly I thought yeah is this movie not going to be as funny because there are some you, you yeah. go back mm-hmm. there are some of those movies you go back and you're like oh man we thought this was hilarious but this is actually kind of yeah. crap uh, this one just kept just going and going and going I mean for me there's that that beautiful moment where um, <laughs> god so many moments that I can even get into but the bit where he takes the wrong turning and, and he ends up in where is it <laughs> Nebraska or Nebraska <laughs> yeah oh my god <laughs> like, I thought the mountains, the mountains would be bigger or bluer or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And then he's like, that, that, oh, that. It just cuts him. It just, the cut, <laughs> them realizing it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, we cut the next bit where suddenly in the distance, Jim Carrey coming up on this little bike. And it's kind of just, you know, the way he sort of sits and he's like, hey, and he's, and he's like moving it's- the neck. Get 70, 70 miles to the gallon on this hog. Hog. On this hog. Because just when you think, you can't oh get God. any dumber. You go and totally redeem yourself. And then it's that moment, it's the missed high five, I think, just boiled yeah, out. Yeah, it's great. That 10 seconds, this is it's, what the movie is. is yeah. I think the reason this movie does work so well is it's probably it's maybe one of the best Fairly Brothers movies, but all of their movies have like this like real heart and soul to them. Like mm-hmm. these these actual heartfelt moments for as silly and, you know, as audacious as these movies are, there is a lot of heart to them. Like that scene when, um, towards the beginning, when, uh, well, Lloyd has that, like that emotional break, it breaks down to Harry to try and convince him to go. I'm like, that's like a really heartfelt, great scene of Jim Carrey, like acting his heart out. And then he just <laughs> cries into him. He's like, let it out. And he's just wailing into his chest. <laughs> like, all right. just, we're right back to where we need to be. That's really Got good. So, yeah. Then, yeah. so the boys are struggling. Uh, they finally get on this little bike. They power their way up to Aspen, Colorado. You get that incredible bit of um, makeup where they've got the frozen oh my God. on their faces. <laughs> just go, man. Just go. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> yeah. 
it's then, nice warm. But then, yeah. <laughs> but then we get that little plot twist of suddenly during an argument, the briefcase bursts open and they're faced with million dollars or whatever, whatever it is. And then, um, so suddenly, you know, oh, we've, we've just got to borrow yeah. some money and they're, they're staying in the finest hotels and they bought themselves a Lamborghini. And then that's when, oh my God, the, the scene with, uh, where they go to the snow owl convention and they're oh dressed God. in their amazing tuxes. And I've the iconic loved, suits. It's, yeah. yeah. Those tuxes, the scene where they turn up sword fighting and then he knocks his hat off. And it, for me, it made me oh. think of me and my brothers when he just slams in the back of the legs. And I'm like, that, I burst out laughing every time because it's just it's, me and my brothers growing it's, up. It's, it's like a, a dirty, rotten scoundrel's level of whacking with a cane. <laughs> yeah. Right. And he, the way he, and he like doubles over. It's just, it's fantastic. Oh, Dr. Emil Schofhausen, I believe you're referring to, Michael King. It's such great physical comedy. And again, like, I I know all these scenes by heart, and I was really worried that it was, re-watching it for this podcast would, like, sour me on the experience, because I was worried they wouldn't hold up. But got to tell you, they just, it still works. And all, all the little logical leaps from them just being stupid, but the criminals thinking they must be geniuses. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like gas man. How they know I got gas? Or we killed their bird, they killed us. You know, these guys. Are, yeah, these guys are geniuses. These guys are, these guys are one step ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's my oh, favorite man. kind of like comedy plot, which is uh, main characters who either want nothing to do with the plot of the movie or don't know the plot of the movie. Yeah, there is to it. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> and, great. That's like always recipe for good comedy for me. Uh, it, it's just it 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 works. There's no, I mean, again, we the, we walked on the moon, you know. <laughs> the uh, little things That's like great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. two is I think improv. They were just they liked that line so much they kept it in. I can only imagine the stuff that got cut out. I mean, little things like. Um, when uh, Harry has the fight, the snowball fight with the girl. Oh my that, God. That escalates and it just immediately gets <laughs> to this. Pushing her head. <laughs> and then same thing with Lloyd. He goes, I'll race you up the stairs. And she like, so he, he grabs her, her ankle. Yeah. <laughs> it's just some kind of like childlike wonder that these two characters possess that they're just stilted in time that they've just never grown up. That's not, I, they're dumb. They just have this childlike wonder, wonderful look on the world. Granted, they're interesting thing I, I only, only recently discovered um, was a couple of things is that one it was originally conceived by John Hughes before oh, wow. it was sold to the Farrelly brothers and I'm like alright okay I can see that and also there was an interesting like before Jeff Daniels Nicolas Cage was being courted um, oh god can you imagine that one Jim <laughs> no, Carrey and Nicolas Cage Oh, so Jim Carrey was still it was supposed yeah, to be Jim so Carrey. Yeah, Nicholas Cage, Nicholas but he Cage. was trying to get like two million, and so they're like they could pay Jeff Daniels fifty grand. They're like, okay. I can't imagine this movie working with any other with two with any other two actors. And I remember yeah. the story as well about like Jim Carrey's tooth that like yeah. he got paid seven million and they chipped his tooth, but the truth of the matter was he chipped it when he was a kid. It's just been capped. Yeah, he kept so they it. removed the cap. <laughs> But I remember that being like before viral existed, yeah. one of those like yeah, you, you things that everyone had heard. Do you hear they chipped his tooth for this movie? Yeah. Can you believe that? And we yeah. did believe it. <laughs> and you get and then and team did he meet Lauren Holly because uh, they were married, right? For a bit. I think he met did, I don't know if they met on this movie. Uh Lauren Holly and what, Jim Carrey? Yeah. 
I'm not sure, actually. I'm going to see if I can find that one. Personal life, married three times, met Jim Carrey auditioning for Ace Ventura. Ah, well, mm. okay. They developed a relationship while working together filming she, Dumb and Dumb. She was great in this movie. She was so good. Yeah, total, yeah. Smoke, She's a, total smoke show. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, I forgot about like because it's PG thirteen. One, that's one thing I forgot that like that's crazy. It's a perfect right? example about making a yeah. movie that's like edgy and funny, but it's still like because then you think me, myself, and Irene, very similar kind of movie, but it's where it's fully R rated. That's oh, a hard. Yeah, you know, it's just like swearing and everything, and I'm like this one. I think the only like. The bit where he he's imagining and he picks her up and hugs her and then he picks up Lister, her skirt. Yeah. Just like, yeah. <laughs> you're just like, what? Well, I heard this this movie had an, a hard R, but they had to cut down the diarrhea scene to a full two minutes <laughs> to get a PG-13 rating. <laughs> yeah, it was like a RoboCop thing. They had to trim it down yeah, a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit to yeah. get it away from x rated would be absolutely fine. But yeah, that's that's something that I'm like, that... Fascinating. I only really realized two thirds of the way through that no one was saying, you know, swearing or no one was like, you yeah. know, I was like, wait a yeah. minute, this is a PG-13, this is, see, you know, you don't have to be ridiculous and outrageous to be ridiculous and outrageous. And I think this, this movie threads the needle, you know, in Do you guys remember the first time you'd seen this movie? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was, it, it was this 1994. I remember, I think I, I saw it in theaters because I'd seen the trailer. I was like, I am seeing right, right. that movie. And it was like, I think I died. I think I, I had trouble <laughs> breathing. I, I remember one of our, in, in, I think it was in junior high school, one of our teachers, if we had done really well in a test or something like that, he had like a bookcase full of like VHS tapes. So if you did really well, you earned the right to take one of those tapes home this is before i before i was like renting movies it was just like an incentive for us to do better mm -hmm. in school and i the one time i was ever able to do that i took home dumb and dumber and i remember watching it with my dad and i for me to introduce a movie to my dad at that age and he absolutely loved this movie so i mean what's not so oh, well wow. like it was such a bonding experience for the two of us i remember we were just dying laughing because this movie is like for it being a uh, a PG-13 movie. It's, it is pretty raunchy, mm -hmm. but you're right. Yeah. It doesn't overstep. It's not sleazy and gross. It's just, it's, it's kind of just silly and it's toilet humor, you know? Mm -hmm. It's really yeah, it's all good, it is. It's a good core memory, actually. Like for yeah. you to watch that with your dad, man. That's what I'm saying. Like for me, I remember watching um, Naked Gun with my dad. Oh, and yeah. um, I remember like, I still, I mean, it'll be a memory that stays with me forever. Um, but it's the, the strike. And then it's Steve-Rack 2. And then oh, like, yeah. and he does the hoo-hoo. And he does the and my, my dad <laughs> was falling off the sofa. Like he's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> like I've never seen my father ever laugh that hard. And whenever I watch that scene, I'm immediately taken back to being like 12 years old. And my dad yeah. watching that scene. I watched it together. And I was like, it just always brings me such oh, joy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, going, that's the hardest I've ever seen my father laugh ever and i'm like it's also one of the greatest comedy scenes ever. and that was that was but that was only because he had just discovered what baseball was <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it was that cricket scene we were talking about we were very yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah that's also my my dad dies laughing at that naked gun scene every time too oh. like and it's because it's just great i think with dumb and dumber i must have yeah i definitely did see this in theaters i can't remember if it was my dad or my grandpa but 
like I said, Jim Carrey was like my hero as yeah. a kid. It was like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then Jim Carrey was right under that. Oh, man. So he would have been great as the as the Harry character. That would have been, now we're talking. <laughs> well, see, get Arnold in there. <laughs> you already said like he could have been like, hey man, twins. Um, but you said you like you were disappointed by the you know well not disappointed but worried you know he was playing the Riddler. Well, how did you feel about Arnie going on to play? <laughs> I, it's so weird because I was only a couple of years later and I was totally fine with it. I was like, yeah, that's oh, cool. I, it was just, I was that young to where I'm like, he's a bad guy. Could you imagine if that was in the same movie though? That would have shattered your little brain. You'd still be in <laughs> therapy talking about it. Yeah. I would never, never have left the asylum. I would have been like, <laughs> no. Yeah. See, Screaming I remember about it to this day. As well, I saw it in theaters and I remember like at the end, cause I'm like, you know, it was at 94. So I am 13 years old and, and horny. And <laughs> the, the final scene where it's just, we need two boys to oil us oh up for God. this national tour. And I'm like, for me, I'm like, this is the dream. And then they screw it up. And I love Harry. You realize what you've done. done. <laughs> Runs after and you're like, oh, they're going to get, the town is that way. And I'm going, no. I remember my friend, being, my friend's a so, little slow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember being so pissed off at the ending of this movie because again as a horny fucking 13 year old you're like no yeah. this is everything that was the payoff I was still uh, even watching it again the other night I was like son of a bitch I mean, <laughs> god damn it I usually have to stop the movie before that part <laughs> yeah in my my original my, my Ollie edit of the ending is they just go off and they get to oil those girls up for, for a whole year I'm like yeah, that's so I, funny because it's exactly what I, I thought about it. You travel the country. Oh my God, God man. It still yeah. bothers me. I'm still bothers me. They've, they've been I mean, that, so much. That is the original ending of the movie. Like the original ending is they go off with them. And it was Jim Carrey who was like, that would never happen with these characters. Like yeah, that's just fair. so not. Yeah. That, do. does, that, that does make sense. I can I mean, see that. It's when you watch it like, at our age. Yes, it's funny. But like, again, horny teenagers were like, God, it's the yeah. dream. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't yeah, even, know, even, I don't even know what a whole entropic thing is. <laughs> <laughs> I just know I like it. <laughs> yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> Dude, like I said, so quotable. I say I like so, it a lot, just like that all the time. <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance. I mean, just it's <laughs> such a quotable movie. It's imprinted yeah. in our, like, in our, in our coded DNA. with this movie, yeah. For real. Yeah. Um, so the DNA of this movie you know, as we talked about road trip, uh, starts in Rhode Island road trips, but does take, you know, the last 40 minutes, we're in Aspen, Colorado. You can very much tell we're in Aspen. There's lots of skiing. There's lots of lodges. There's lots of detail. Um, we we covered uh, Cliffhanger being 99% shot in Italy, making the Colorado Rockies look quite incredible. And then we have Red Dawn, which is shot throughout Colorado, because of course, the point of this podcast is Wait, not what's the it? best movie, is, is which movie best represents the state of Colorado, in our opinion. And so yeah. where Sorry. do you guys sort of feel on this one? No, and not that I have a bone to pick with Red Dawn, but wasn't a bunch of it also filmed in like New Mexico? I read that too. I was going to ask, bring that I, up. I didn't know, like, yeah, I was just curious. I didn't, I, didn't, I mean, to, if I'm being completely honest, that movie to me, because I've been to Colorado, like that movie felt the most like Colorado to me. I know Dumb and Dumber takes place in Aspen, but that could also be like Park City or any other like small ski town. But Asp obviously uh, Aspen has that like affluent thing about it. But um, See, I think yeah. like 
the the thing about it is 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 kind of that the movie was filmed in and around the city of Vegas and New Mexico. So yeah. so there we go. That we've so, like so you're a lying piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's set in Calumet, Colorado, primarily primarily filmed around Vegas and New Mexico. This is okay. awesome. This is even better because it's like that's that's the thing about it is that we've kind of now got we've got an incredible action movie that is like set in the Rockies that is mm-hmm. shot in Italy. Mm-hmm. We've got a, a huge, great production value shot on location movie, which has got that sort of the, the ethos of Colorado, which is like in a way, which is people that, in the same way that Arizona and Texas has it, is it, that people that, you know, you're, you're up against the elements, you know, you're comfortable getting out there, being outdoors, being in the mountains, hunting. Like when you said, oh, he goes to this little store and they're tooled up and I go, yeah, man, but certain parts of America, especially in yeah. the 80s, very normal thing. And then we've got this kind of, bonkers movie that was sort of shot in in aspen like or like feels it so yeah it's i i, I couldn't even put money on where we go my my i'm leaning and i know like but i'm leaning that red dawn captures kind of the it's very american it's yeah. very like i said very up in the mountains they're all about hunting it's all about you know that kind of thing and it's definitely sort of jingoistic and you know very much kind of like in that kind of way but it, you know, I remember seeing it, you know, when I first saw it, it for me, I go, wow. I always think, because as a foreigner, right, I'm always like, as the Brit, there's so much natural beauty to America that doesn't look like anywhere else. And the first time I'm ever seeing any of it was in American movies. So whenever I came to the States, I'm always like going, oh, that reminds me of that movie. Oh, that reminds me of that movie. Yeah. But what are you guys lying on this one? Because like, I, I, I'm... Yeah. Massive. I, I'm so torn because I, when it's what I love about this podcast is we never really, I never know what movie I'm going to pick until like the last five minutes. That's like distilling it down. But when I picture, maybe this will help. When I picture, picture this, when you, when I say the phrase Colorado postcard, what movie do you think of? I think of Red Dawn, like the scenery in it. Yeah. That the, the Russian invasion just kind of, <laughs> just, that's what I think of. It, to me, like you get that sprawl, you you get the different seasons of it. Like when I think you just have all of the different, like the, the different elements that bring it together. Uh, for me, I think that feels the most um, Colorado. That said, the only move, movie that features Coors Light in it, I believe is Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> true. It's very true. <laughs> the send the... The American symbol for the Colorado Rockies. I think so. it's their state flag. So yeah. 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 It's also their state bird. Yeah. Just a beer can with uh yeah. with wings with on wings. it. Yeah. No. no Red, Red Bull, Bull for them. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's I mean, I, yeah. I, I see exactly where you're going because I, I think the same way because it's so funny because like within as the as the credits of Cliffhanger like started, and as the movie started, I go it's going to be cliffhanger. And then within five minutes and I Googled it, I'm like, oh, but it's, it's mm. so far removed from what Colorado actually is. <laughs> like right, right. spectacular <laughs> dolomites. And I'm like, I agree. wow, it's like you, you've, we've, we've ramped up Colorado on drugs. We've multiplied mm. everything by five. It's, it's, my, it's Michael Bay's Colorado. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Without the Michael Bay filmmaking. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I think I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I think it's like, 
as I love about the whole shot in setting, I can't wait until someone brings a better Colorado movie, you know, for, to take this one down. But I'm kind of impossible. Way, but, <laughs> you, know, you, you see that that background. You see that that even now, no, you know, even knowing it's not Colorado, it you yeah. say, well, look, look at the mountains and look. At it the felt scene. to me the most like the, the scenery of it, like that it's that, that town, vibe for me. The small yeah, town nature. <clears throat> If I had been to, I can eliminate Cliffhanger begrudgingly because I picked it, but you're right. That that movie could have had any other opening title card instead of Colorado, and it would have it would be the exact same movie. Granted, none of the other movies were really filmed in Colorado, but I think mm-hmm. for me, between Red Dawn and Dumb and Dumber, which only a small portion of Dumb and Dumber, if it, if it, if it even was filmed in Aspen, I don't know. Um, I, if I had to go between the two, I'm, I'm going to pick a Red Dawn. But I think I think like kind of like I was saying is it's more than just it's kind of like the uh, the ethos like I said the, yeah. the actual the the way that people are feels very the sort of that part of America they're very sort of outdoorsy yeah. it kind of really gets into that mentality what yeah. do you guys think and to be and to be clear you're talking about Dumb and Dumber yes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well I, you know what I what I was thinking the reason why I picked Dumb and Dumber a it had been a while since I've seen it so I didn't remember. Actually, that's so little of it took place in Colorado. I, I you know, or in Aspen. Yeah. I remembered much more of the movie taking place there. Um, so as I was kind of getting like an hour into the movie, I'm like, uh oh, did I <laughs> did I choose wrong? And then we got there and I was like, okay. But uh yeah, the way I was coming about it is like, what is most people's experience with Colorado? And a lot of people travel for the scenery, for the small town atmosphere. Aspen is definitely more affluent, but uh to me, I was like, I wonder if that's that feels like more people's experience with Colorado. But yeah, I think I'm landing on uh, much like the Russians and Cubans on red Dawn as well. Um, (laughs) That's, that is just, (laughs) that that is (laughs) right off the old noggin. Um, But yeah, that's a, that is kind of where I'm feeling like, yeah, you know, it, that, that does capture that ethos of Colorado. Wow, we're you know. quite in agreement. All right, okay, I like this. I like this because it's interesting because I was looking this up. So so Aspen was, well, parts of Colorado. There's Estes Park, Colorado, and Breckenridge were used in uh, Dumb and Dumber. But then also, right. like you were saying, Park City, Utah, Salt Lake City. Also, you know what I mean? So this is... I think I, the, a lot, if you've ever been to Park City, a lot of that downtown stuff, and because I've never been to Aspen, but I've been to Park City, and it felt like it's basically one small... Like, it's just one street. Very, very small town. Yeah, yeah I've been there. Yeah. So, it, I mean, was, it, uh, it was cool. It felt like that to me. But. I love Utah. Um, <laughs> all right. Okay. So, while we have figured out that the official movie for Colorado for all time so far Dumb and Dumber. is Red Dawn, <laughs> shot in Las Vegas. Uh, <laughs> but, but we always, uh, something that we like to get into is the also rounds. Now, I, I, yeah. my also round was basically Cliffhanger. Did you guys have anything else that wasn't on the list? Something that you reckon that like might have brought, brought something to the, to the table? I had a few uh, written down, and not whether or not any of them actually take place in Colorado. Um, the Shining, for one, famously wow. in the the Overlook Hotel, which fantastic if you haven't seen it. Also, doc, to a lesser extent, Doctor Doctor Sleep, which I loved, also yeah takes place same kind of area. But then I had some some wild cards which I'm regretting not picking. Uh, one of them I'm glad I didn't pick, but I love Blades of Glory for one. I absolutely love oh, Chaz Michael Michaels. Michael. Yeah, it's great. Jimmy, I want to wear your skin to my birthday party. Dude, I saw um, that on a plane. 
I remember yeah. like it was just after Talladega Nights. I was on. I was flying a lot at the time, like when I was working in television in Asia. So I was always on planes, and I remember putting that on. I go, all right, well, you know what, like. Because it was kind of at the time hit and miss. You know, a Will Ferrell comedy was either amazing or just mm-hmm. eh. And um, yeah. I was like, I really went, I was like, all right, you know what? I just need to watch something. And it was one of those cases where I'm trying to stop laughing so loud because I'm on a plane. And like like people looking at me going, what's that guy watching? I am in stiff. Blades of Glory is so Great. Will Arnett and Amy Poehler as the brother and sister. Oh, oh my that, God. That movie. <laughs> Is a banger. Oh my God. That's a um, funny movie. Then I had to do, I, which I've only seen once so, so long ago, but I wanted to continue this run of mentioning Andy Garcia movies. So I had uh, things to do in Denver when you're dead. Yeah. Another great, great I one. almost, that's, that's one. I used to, that was after, cause we ended up with, you know, like Pulp Fiction came out and then Hollywood goes, all right, two days in the Valley and things to do in Denver when you're dead. And it was all like, but right, I remember, right. I was watching that a bunch as a kid. And then my brother, who, like, he was a rock star for a while. And I remember with one of his first iterations of his band before they got signed, they had a song, which I can still sing in my head, but it was called The Man With A Plan. Because that was Christopher nice. Walken's character was the bad guy, The Man With A Plan. Damn. And, like, that's a, I remember that movie. It's like, uh, oh, dude, is it true? It's a good one. Well, like, talking about eating a... It's been forever since I've seen it, but I was just thinking of color, movies with Colorado places in the title i was like oh shit things to do whenever you're things dead. to do and lastly dead. lastly i didn't pick this one because i knew it was just a, a home run it was gonna win and i really don't want to take that away from you guys so uh, i was um <laughs> alien versus predator requiem oh god jesus oh dear god <laughs> <laughs> oh. thank you so much for not picking that <laughs> wait where is prey set oh uh, that is a, that is I'm a good sure. question i'm looking that up right now um, yeah, I don't know. It didn't come up when I was looking at like movies set in Colorado, so I'm not sure. It could it's be Northern Great Plains. Yeah. Non-specific. That movie. Guys, if you're listening right now and you've ever seen the movie Predator, ignore <coughs> every other sequel apart from the second one, which actually has moments which are quite funny. But so, go yeah. immediately to Prey, the, the 2002 yeah. movie, which is just top-notch. I, I think we mentioned it before, but if this had come out, if that movie had come out and COVID wasn't around, I think it would be... a it's massive criminal oh, yeah. that there's no physical as I'm sure Will is pulling his fucking hair out that there's no physical release for that movie. And yeah. Just, there's, there's no Blu-ray. There's no Blu-ray of it behind me, no. like just out of frame so that I couldn't get in trouble. That doesn't explain. What are you talking about? <laughs> Officer? Like there's no, nobody got a physical copy off of uh, eBay. Like what, what is with this interrogation? <laughs> let's, let's move on to another topic. <laughs> <laughs> okay well what were your other runs <laughs> like did you have any other ones you were circling uh yeah not a ton um the only when i also did a search like what what takes place in colorado um my dad's favorite movie jeremiah johnson came up and i was like oh god i can't i can't in good conscience pick that not because it's not good but i think it is uh i'm gonna estimate here 79 hours long and uh, take, if you know the meme, the meme of uh, Robert Redford with a full beard in the mountains, yeah. doing, the doing like the the nod, it's that oh, right. movie. For the um, longest time, I thought that was Zach Galifianakis, and I still do. I know everybody does, but that's blew, blew my mind. Well, that's the movie. Go. Interesting. So directed by Sidney Pollock, um, but yeah, its running time is either 108 minutes or 116 minutes with overture and intermission. 
Oh God. Jeez. Uh, it is. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. That movie feels like it's a week long. It's so slow. It, it's wonderful production value, wonderfully acted. And it is an interesting story. Robert Redford is really great in it, but it's just so slow. Uh, okay. So, so long, but it, it, I do recommend a watch. Do you want me to, do you want me to connect it uh, to yes. the movies? Uh, written by John Milius. Yes, go. that's right. Yeah. There you go. So that's yep. probably why it was moving so slow. It's your exact yep. criticism of right <laughs> that, that thing we're talking about. Is he was still writing the script as they were filming. <laughs> I think he's still writing it. I think uh, <laughs> it, it still must be going on. So that was my yeah. that was my almost uh, yeah the, what I always pick. But I'm glad I went with the, the direction I did, even though so little of it takes place in Colorado. Dude, I was just so happy to watch Cliffhanger and Dumb and Dumber again. You know, it's yeah. that you, you always flip past them. You're on Netflix and well, I know that movie, but you don't yeah. know them. You go back and you watch them again and you go, oh, these movies that's, are amazing. That's why this podcast is, I know we say it every time. It's so great because I'm, I'm watching these movies with fresh eyes. And I hope our listeners are too, that are uh, like rediscovering these forgotten films. And it's unfortunate we can't have like a Wraith adjacent movie every single time, but <laughs> we try and get there as close as we can. Well, well, we'll see. Because I have a oh, funny feeling I know where one of you is going to go on this next one. Because, of course, at this point, we have to decide where we're going next. I have made a decision. I've been waiting to bring up this particular state because there is one particular movie I want to talk about at length. Um, because we're going to the most landlocked of states. No, we're not. We're going to Hawaii. Oh, you oh. son of a bitch. Yes, we are. Oh, no. You're going to you're going to regret this decision. I, I don't yep, think this, I am. The, my, my movie pick is going to ruin your marriage. <laughs> I've actually, I've already <laughs> told them that this movie is probably going to happen. And I said, I've only seen a 10 second clip of this movie and you have got to watch it with me. We have to, we, we, we should all agree and set up a time where we can, we can all find them where we all I, somehow I was watch say, that movie together. I was oh, going to say, we might have to way. set up a watch party like for this. There's got to be a way. Cool. Yeah. So tom- tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Cancel, Absolutely. cancel your road trip. <laughs> We're doing this. <laughs> yeah. All right. So it's done. So guys, I don't think too much thinking is going to be happening because we're definitely going to be talking about Lilo and Stitch. Um, <laughs> next week, we will be talking about the movie that defines Hawaii, though we have made the decision that Red Dawn is the ultimate Colorado movie until another one turns up. Right now, I just have to say, guys, as always, Best part of the week. What a great chat it was. Ryan, Will, great choices always. Can't wait to see what other movies turn up for Hawaii. But until then, if you are listening or watching, um, please like, subscribe, rate it, comment, send us messages. You can always find me as Ollie underscore Petru or at that Englishman in Texas. You can find Will as Entitled Willennial on pretty much every single um, social media there is. And as always, Ryan will find you. In fact, he may be behind you right now. That's right. Well, you can't find me because I'm booking my ticket to Hawaii right now to get the full effect to watch my pick. Uh, well, until then, fellas, it'll be great. And to all of you, thank you again once again for listening to an episode of the United States of Movie Podcast. And we will see you next time. <laughs> That's really good. I'm getting good. <laughs> That's really good.